A good day and welcome to episode 37 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with Matt, I'm here with Steve, and we're joined by a very special guest, friend of the show, Professor Joey G from Shenandoah University. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and uh, you know, thanks for having me on here. This is a huge honor to be able to do a, a podcast with you guys, so thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. We are excited that you're here. Matt, Steve, hello. Good morning. Good morning. You look well. <laughs> <laughs> it's World Cup Day, too. It's, world, it's the World Cup final. Yes. Joey, are you watching? Absolutely. Absolutely watching. It starts in 50 minutes. <laughs> we got it. We're going to plow through this. <laughs> Who are you supporting in the final? Uh, I got to go Croatia because the underdog story. I like France, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to visit France next year, but I got to pull for Croatia. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in a similar boat. As a loyal Barcelona fan, I have players on both sides, so I'm mm-hmm. just going to go with Croatia because they're the underdogs. Okay. And Steve's not going to watch because he doesn't like soccer. I don't. And you know what? I think the uh, the fans are the real winners here, so I'll uh, <laughs> give a round of applause for the fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, folks, for today's episode, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. Per the request of one of our patrons, Horizons PD, today's episode will be all about esports. So Joey will share a little bit of his background, but he is somewhat of an expert in the field, and uh, we will be talking about the sort of current state of esports, some of the trends we see happening, what the future might look like for esports, and uh, everything in between. So before we get into housekeeping, Joey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work and, and what you have going on? Sure. So my name, as Manny kind of said, is Dr. Joey G. So what I do is I'm actually a professor of sport management at Shenandoah University, and I got to do research for a living, unfortunately, so I wanted to do something fun. So that was video games. That's my real passion in life is sports and video games. And so I put those two things together about five and a half years ago. And esports is the perfect marriage of sports and video games. So I started doing research and talking about what is esports and presenting at some conferences, writing some papers, writing some book chapters. And the whole thing just kind of picked up steam. So I'm right now teaching classes on esports at the university. I just started our esports team here at Shenandoah University where I'm the program director. And I continued to do more research and travel actually around the world to places like New Zealand and Germany to present my findings, my research um, about esports from the sport management side of things, which is kind of a unique spin in a lot of aspects to uh, this this esports thing is that I don't come from the gaming side. I come from the the sport management side of things. I'm also a co-host of a weekly radio show, Press Start Radio. Uh, We also do a podcast called The Checkpoint. Um, where I do talk about a lot of esports, and I did get the chance to go to E3 this year and get to play a lot of games. Yeah, so a lot of fun. We do a lot of cool stuff too, and um, you know, I'm just happy to talk anytime I can about esports and act like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, because you know, when I started about five years ago, it was esports was pretty basic and pretty simple of a concept, and now it's exploded so much that it's hard to keep up with every single game and all these events that are going on. So my job has gotten a lot harder, but always a fun challenge. Well, that is quite the resume. Um, And where can people find uh, your radio show? Where can people check that out? So it's on Bob Rocks Radio, Bob Rocks 101.5. So it airs on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on Bob Rocks Radio, as well as ESPN Radio out of Hagerstown. Well, anybody who's in the DMV area... Definitely check it out. Yeah, check it out. Well, yeah, we're excited to, to get into esports, and we'd love to hear some of your thoughts and insights from in th- from E3. But before we get to any of that, let's keep the house because it's gross. First up on housekeeping, please follow us on social media. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra Gaming on Instagram, where you can check out our tweets and our pictures, and they're great, and they're taken by professionals. So feel free to check them out. We would appreciate it. Uh, if you wanted to... Most of our pictures are from Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google's professional, I guess. I don't know. Uh, if you want to hang out with us on Twitch, you can find us at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming where we stream almost every single day of the week on a variety of platforms. So check us out. We've been having a lot... What have we been streaming lately? We've been Overwatch, of course. Um, I streamed some Octopath Traveler for my Switch the other night. That was fun division everything in between so join us on twitch we would love to have you and if you also want to hang out with our wonderful community you can check out our discord server where we have a group of amazing fantastic and interesting people who talk about video games all day all night and just generally have a good time so if you want to join our discord you can find that invite link 
through our Twitter bio. And if you want to share your thoughts and let us know how we're doing, feel free to call in and talk to us about any of the episodes of the podcast, any of our articles, or anything else video game related. You can call us at 347-509-5620, and we might even play your message on the podcast if it's really great. And if you feel so compelled, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, and if you like our content, you can head over to patreon.com slash gaming and support us and help us grow and help us be the best gaming podcast we can possibly be in a very real way. So every dollar we get will go right back into the show. We already have an amazing group of super supportive patrons, including Horizons PD, whose topic will be covered on today's episode because he is one of our platinum supporters on Patreon. So if you want to join him and support us at the platinum level, you can actually suggest topics that we will be covering on the show, just like today. And we'll have more rad guests, just like Joey G. <laughs> so if you want to help us grow, head over to patreon.com slash Gaming. We would love it if you could support us there. And last up on housekeeping, ladies and gentlemen, we are only days away. Days. Mere minutes, if you add them all together. On Friday, July 20th, we are partnering with Microsoft and the N3 Incubator here in Washington, D.C. for a full day of video gaming fun, competition, and more. I'm really excited. So we had our final prep meeting last week, and everything is lined up perfectly. It's going to be a fantastic event. So we're kicking off at noon, and the first five hours will be sort of an open, family-friendly environment. We'll be playing some fun games. We'll be playing Minecraft, which... I'm excited to get into because I haven't played that game in forever. And a handful of other games. Microsoft is showing up with, I think, 24 Xboxes, 12 PCs, and more. Uh, so we're going to have League of Legends, FIFA, Fortnite, Minecraft, Overwatch, and everything in between. So come join us. We're also going to be raffling off an Xbox One S, and you could even win it if you join the raffle. And we're also going to be joined by some of the top competitive talent in Rainbow Six Siege. This was sort of a last-minute edition, but we have some awesome people showing up. We'll also be doing a live recording of the Ombra Gaming Podcast, which we will be live streaming on twitch.tv slash Ombra underscore gaming. So get excited. Join Woo. us if you're in the DMV area. And if you're not, tune into the live stream at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and join in all the fun. I'm very excited, Steve. It's going to be a wonderful time. Yeah, so wait a minute. We're doing the live recording at 7.30, which is going to be like, you know, two hours after the happy hour begins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just All how right. things roll. All right. You know? <laughs> uh, we'll be fine. Wouldn't be the fr- I mean, we did our PlayStation E3 video, and I, I had at least three glasses of whiskey that night, so we're fine. Oh. <laughs> Bullet bourbon. <laughs> it's just a lonely drink. <laughs> well, now that the house is nice and clean... Let's get on with the show. So the way we've sort of structured this, we have a handful of questions that we're going to be throwing at you, Joey. So generally speaking, I think it would be great to sort of first just start things off with sort of a baseline of what your take, and I know this is super vague, but what your take (laughs) is of the current state of esports. So if somebody, I guess, if somebody's listened to this podcast and has never heard of esports or has never really played uh, competitively in any capacity, what do you think is like an overview that you could give them? You know, it's, it's a broad question, which can be easy, but can also be really tough to kind of rein in a little bit. To me, what I'm seeing with esports right now is that it is still growing. It's very, very popular, obviously. We're seeing it being streamed. We're seeing um, an example that we've seen on uh, TV stations picking it up is ESPN picking up the Overwatch League finals. Mm-hmm. Um, or I should say Disney slash ABC slash ESPN up the overwatch league finals which is really cool so you know esports is growing it's growing huge and it's fast and it's been growing very quickly the last five or six years at some point we're going to see it kind of level off which is a good thing i've talked to people at esl and they said they're waiting for that plateau you know they mm-hmm. you can't keep this breakneck pace that esports has been on uh with the popularity with people playing it people viewing it people talking about it forever it's just unsustainable so they're waiting for that plateau, which is coming soon, which is a good thing. Um, so right now, the state of esports is that it's extremely popular. It's still growing, maybe not as fast a pace as it was three or four years ago, but in a good way, it's leveling off. And and I think it's here to stay. It's going to be something that's going to be part of the future for a long time to come, especially considering where VR is and where it could be and the role that VR could certainly play uh, in esports. So I think it's kind of the wave of the future of what I've called a non-traditional sport, where you see things like football, baseball, basketball, hockey as our traditional sports. They're actually not as popular as they were in the past. I mean, look at viewers, you look at kids playing, 
the, the numbers are dropping off, especially in, in what's not America's pastime, but it's the most popular sport in America in football. Um, the concussion issues, kid, you know, parents are worried about their kids playing and getting hurt. Um, look at the state of the game these days with the protests that are going on. Uh, people are losing faith in the NFL and American football, and they're going to turn somewhere. And esports is something that everybody does. Video games are something everybody does when they're a kid. And so it's really catching on with the younger generation. And that's what we look at to see the trends for the future is what do what are kids doing today? That's going to tell us what's going to be popular and profitable in the future. That being video games. And when you want competitive video games, that's exactly what esports is. And now it's across so many different games and so many different platforms there really is an eSport for everybody, and people are, you know, all these new games coming out, Fortnite especially, as popular as it's gotten so quickly. Um, new games are coming out more and more often. People are picking them up. Some of them are catching fire. Some of them not so much. But there's a game for everybody, and it's going to keep being popular in the future. I actually had a question that you just kind of set up perfectly when you're talking about the traditional professional sports that we're dealing with now. So you mentioned the rise in popularity, like kids will stream twitch and youtube for hours on end where you don't really get that with baseball football basketball hockey all of that anymore i don't know baseball games are pretty long man <laughs> way more boring than watching i am a huge stream. baseball fan and i will be the first to admit that it's a very boring sport but, um, <laughs> but then you also have owners of professional sports teams like robert Kraft putting a, a real stake in a boston team and now as you had mentioned, you have people watching like Twitch and everything like that. With Twitch, you don't get commercials. One of the worst things about watching professional football these days is you get a commercial break that takes forever now. Mm -hmm. And it happened like every other minute, so it keeps taking you out of the game. You don't get that when you're watching esports. Do you think there's a real possibility that kids nowadays are going to say, I want to be like that esports player as opposed to when we were kids and saying, I want to be like, you know, Pedro Martinez. I want to be like Manny Ramirez. And now they want to say, like, I want to be like that esports player because it seems like it's almost more of a feasible goal. Good question. Um, I think I think, yes, I think we could see that and great throwback names with with Pedro and Manny Ramirez. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Red Sox fan. Yeah. Oh, OK, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was a manual until I moved to Boston and then immediately people started calling me Manny because oh, that's when Manny Ramirez was. Was on the socks. Yeah, nice. I'll stick to my I'll stick to my Chipper Jones era. I'm a Braves guy, so oh, I love Chipper. Yeah, he's nice. great. Yeah, he's awesome. But that was my guy growing up. I actually used to wear yellow sweatpants tucked into my high socks in sixth grade <laughs> oh, because I wanted to be God. like Chipper Jones. That was my guy. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's who I idolized. But no, going back to your your question, Steve, I, I think I think yes, I think absolutely that kids today. We'll see these these streamers, these online gamers. Look at, look at Ninja. Look at the popularity he has. Uh, kids want to be like him and play games like he is and be popular like he is. Everybody wants their, their, their fame, and they're using Twitch to kind of brand themselves at an even earlier age than we ever could when we were growing up. And so it's, it's so much easier to get your name out there these days through Twitch, through YouTube, through whatever media platform you're going to be using. Um, and so many people are, are popular these days that kids are looking at them saying, hey, I could be like that. I could be the next Fortnite streamer. I could be the next insert game here, big time streamer, just make a name for myself because they're seeing these people play. So, yeah, I think that kids will idolize these current players, these popular players, and they will, will try to be like them in the future instead of these other sports. I mean, these other sports are just really losing popularity and they are slow. You said baseball. Baseball is my number one sport by far. And it is slow. It is boring. I totally get it, too. Um, and so they're looking at new rules to kind of try to increase the pace of play. And, you know, football's done that. Basketball has gone through this. Uh, and soccer was never popular here. It's popular worldwide. But it's they're all slower games where video games are so quick. I mean, right. it's like ecstasy for your eyes a lot of times. It's just it's always it's sensory overload with how quick things are going, which to some people creates a problem to more traditional kind of the older demographic. It's like they don't know what's going on. They can't follow any of the action on the screen. The casters are just shouting their shout casters. They, you know, like what is happening right now on the screen? But the kids these days growing up playing them and watching them for hours on end every day, they do understand it. You know, so I, I think they, the more they understand, the more they play, the more they watch, the more they're going to want to be these professional esport players instead of these professional quarterbacks or yeah. pitchers or whatever. And I feel like the entry, the barrier to entry for something like video games is 
inherently lower. Yeah, I, sure. I want to play football when I was in middle school, but I'm tiny, right? <laughs> and so I played a ton of video games in middle school, right? So like, had that been an option, maybe we would be having a different conversation right now because that on-ramp is something that I could have already related to. But I also, I kind of wanted to back up because we keep making these comparisons and keep correlating them to professional sports and sports in general. And this is something we talked about last time we spoke, Joey. What is your, and this is like 32,000 foot view, definition of sports and how does that definition correlate to the definition of an esport where's that connectivity the eternal question yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is and you get a different answer no matter who you're talking to and it's it's not easy it's something i've i've talked about for a number of years now to me esports is a sport to me i'll go ahead and say that to start off that has not been an easy sell to a lot of other people i work with whether in sport management or not in sport management but the definition that I use in my classes of sport management when I teach my, my undergrad, my 100 to a level classes, a sport has to have four main components. It has to be institutionalized, has to be competitive, has to be physical and mental, has to have all four of those things. Institutionalized meaning it has a governing body, somebody making rules, setting the schedule, dealing with punishments, um, things of that nature. What we're seeing with esports is that we've got not only one governing body, but about 80,000 governing bodies, it seems like. And so we've gone through a lot of changes with MLG, with ESL, with E-League. Now we've got NACE, we go through TESPA, CSL. You've got all kinds of different governing bodies that are setting rules and scheduling competitions. Um, the developers, the publishers are making their, for their own game, they're putting on these competitions. So we've got somebody that's setting rules. It's institutionalized. Competitive. Okay. By definition, esports is competitive video gaming. There is a winner and there's a loser. So it's competitive. And then you get the two other, the physical and the mental. We'll get the physical here in a second because that's always the linchpin. Uh, mental, pretty much every activity we do has a mental component. Obviously, you come up with a game plan. Um, look at Overwatch, who you're going to be using versus this team versus that team. Who's going to play support? Are you going to be on the back line, front line? You know, there is definitely a game plan going on with the mental side of things. And then physical. That's the one that trips everybody up. They say esports cannot be a sport because you can't be hurt and it's not physical enough. Well, you can't be hurt. Yeah. I <laughs> that's that's like really... a classic American take on sports. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at professional gamers, there is a physical component that not only exists, but it exists in a way that has a direct impact on the outcome of that event. That, to me, is what makes the physical part important here. Because we could look at something like, and it's easier to just give examples and say why they're not a sport than anything else. You can look at poker. I was watching poker this morning. The World Series of Poker just ended after like a nine-hour head-to-head match, um, which was Jesus. crazy. It took forever. Uh, but somebody finally won $8.8 million. It was on ESPN. Boom, it's got to be a sport because it's on ESPN. Well, not so much. By the definition that I was talking about, poker is not a sport because there is no physical component to poker that has a direct impact on the outcome of poker. Sure, holding cards is a physical skill. I get it. Very, very small physical skill. Looking sure. at them, pushing <laughs> chips in, whatever you want to say. Some They're, people might be better than others. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Holding your cards better than your opponent. Maybe that makes you a better player. I, you know, so to me, that does not have a direct impact on the outcome. But in esports, the way the button combinations you push, your actions per minute that you're achieving, whether it's on the PC, whether it's on a controller, has a direct impact on the outcome on the screen or in the in the game you're playing. So that's right. where the physical part actually does matter because the better you are, the faster you are, the better combinations, more reactionary you are to what's going on on the screen can directly impact the outcome. Whereas in poker or the spelling bee, um, not so much. So those I would not call sport by that definition. Um, yeah. And that's a very book definition, a very clinical definition. But there's seven and a half billion people in the world. There's probably seven and a half billion different definitions of sport that everybody has for their personal definition. But to try to get a kind of a, a level playing ground, I use that in my classes. And we talk about things from cheerleading to esports to poker to chess, darts, all those things that kind of people don't say that can't be a real sport. You don't have to be a man to play that, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, these non traditional definitions of sport, but. That all kind of applies, and it's really when you break down those words and how they apply to each of these different activities that esports does become, by that definition, a sport. Right. Anybody that says you got to be a man to play that, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll hold him for you. <laughs> and I remember this was something we talked about last time, and I remember when you were like, this is how I'm breaking down 
how an esport is a sport. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm totally going to get him on this physical thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but um, I like how you, like most people think of physical interaction on like a macro level and you're sure. bringing, it, bringing it down and like establishing connection with the actual outcome of the activity, which which I think is super accurate. So good good job. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, wait, Go ahead, I ask? Matt. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, because we mentioned it before, and I have strong opinions on Fortnite because I very much dislike it. Okay. But I think it's it holds an important spot in the gaming community right now in that, like, it has brought a lot of young kids into gaming, uh, and Ninja's so popular, and he's brought in a lot of people. But my question is sort of around the battle royale genre, which is a competitive game in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Is it a fad with a limited lifespan? And as an esport, why hasn't anyone been able to sort of master the audience view of a battle royale game? Like I've I've watched PUBG co- competitions, Fortnite competitions. It's difficult to watch very because there's people watch. all over the map. It's very hard to follow, and that's someone you know who's I've played a lot of battle royale games, and I find it hard to follow. So okay, um, I'll start with the fad idea before I get to mm-hmm. the the spectator. Uh, yeah, viewing yeah. because that, that's that's kind of true in a lot of esports is that some esports are just hard to watch there's no easy way to watch a lot of them but let's start with the fad i you know i i've talked with other people about this idea of is this game here to stay is it a flash in the pan that'll be gone in a couple of months i, I and it's it's hard to predict if i could predict it and be accurate i can make a lot of money um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way to know i'm kind of like a weatherman in these situations where you try to jump on things when they're hot and try to you hope that they can be sustainable because you've invested some time and some effort into them. I think the battle royale style genre, I think as a as a genre, I think it is here. I think it's cool. I think it rings true with a lot of people. And if you think about some of the movies, and I know it's not a great comparison, some of the movies that were popular when some of these kids were growing up, The Hunger Games was popular as a book series and a movie when a lot of these people playing were were growing up. They knew about it, and it's it, a lot of it rings true with the battle royale genre where you're trying to survive you know if you have to kill people you kill people end of the day your goal is to be the last one standing and so i think it's a cool addition i think it's i think it's great because it's a fast in and out you can go in by yourself if you're if you're playing solo you can go in you can play a game if or match if you're done in two minutes that's fine you start another one in no time the end of the day if you're in there for 15 minutes and you win or however long they're lasting then it's still pretty quick when you compare that to some of these other games. League of Legends can last a very long time, you know. So, so I think it's cool and it's different enough where it's going to have a good following. Whether it's Fortnite, PUBG, or some other thing coming out, I think that the genre itself, I think it's here to stay for a while because people always like having options. Whether you're an FPS, um, if you're an RTS, if you're a sports game, if you're a card game, uh, whatever your what whatever genre you like, the fighting styles, a lot of different genres of esports are out there. This is just another one that I think will exist for a while, and I I'm sure other publishers are trying to uh, capitalize on this on this fad right now to come out with their next game. So so no, I don't think it's a fad. I hope it's not because I'm establishing a Fortnite team here at Shenandoah. Right. <laughs> so so if I'm recruiting players and having them practice for a couple hours a day yeah. on this, I hope it's not just gone in another couple of months. And it's interesting, like, I wonder, like, I'm trying to think of comparable examples of, I guess, genres in video games that haven't held up. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of something that has, be, that has scaled as, I guess, well as Battle Royale and then has fallen apart. Hmm. Like when, I don't know, when third person shooters became a thing, whenever that was, right? I feel like we kind of started off with first person shooters. So when third person shooters became a thing, were there people having conversations like, oh, is this just a flash in the pan? Is this going to go away? Like what? So I don't know. I can't think of a, I can't think of an example where a a genre or a trend that has become this big has, has collapsed. Um, I don't know. If I'm wrong, somebody call in and let us know. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I don't either. So keep thinking about that, Manny, and let us know if you come up with me for sure. I sure will. <laughs> but to go back to the uh, spectator viewing, of, right? Yeah, yeah. Of the battle royale, and you know, it, like I mentioned, any esport is is struggle has struggled with this. You know, first person shooters were never easy to watch from a spectator perspective because they were from by definition a first person perspective. I know you get kind of that that overview and some some choke points. Um, where in Overwatch you can see that each team has has a certain color assigned to them, so the action happening, you can tell 
who's doing what a lot easier. But that's kind of a new innovation that Overwatch started to make it easier to watch for spectators. For the Battle Royale thing, it's that's tough because there's, you know, start out with 100 people dropped onto an island. How do you how do you get an accurate overview of that entire island? Yeah, it's just little ants running around the map. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> little blips with little dots yeah. coming out for the bullet trails. I don't I don't know and and so it's it's not easy to come up with a, a best way to do that, but I know that they're working on it. Uh, because one thing that all sports have gone through is the best way for spectators to watch it. You know, football used to be one camera at the 50-yard line. Baseball used to only be the, the view from behind the pitcher. And, and now you've got 42 different camera angles for every yeah. single sporting event out there. Um, so it's gone through the process. Esports is still, for the, from a spectator perspective, relatively new. We have a mass audience. You know, we're talking four or five years old tops. And so they're still working through a lot of these issues because these weren't, these weren't things they, that developers thought about when they were developing the games. But now they are. And so as games are being developed, they can think of ways that spectators can watch it a lot easier and consume it easier because that means more dollars and more longevity for the game um, than our traditional, you know, looking at one person at a time and hopefully the action will come to them. So it's, it's been a guessing game, but developers, I guarantee you, producers are working on that issue right now. And so I don't know what the best solution will be for Battle Royale. For first-person shooters, it's gotten better. For Overwatch like legal- has gotten way better oh, really quick. There's sure. no question because they yeah. have to reach the mainstream. They have to make it what I call in my media classes, painless viewing. Because if it's mm. painful viewing, people will not watch it. Even with that sort of overview choke point, it can still be intense, especially for somebody who doesn't know the game or isn't familiar with how it plays. But I, I mean, personally, I find that to overview... Um, like seeing two different teams clash, you know, sort of wearing two different jerseys, like that makes so much more sense in my mind. Right, and it looks like more traditional sports. And here's also where the casters come in. The casters have to break it down in a way that people can understand what's happening. Again, they're getting better. It just takes time. It's an evolutionary process that it takes time. And they're on a much quicker trajectory than traditional sports was when they started out. But they have traditional sports to kind of lean on, to learn from. So it's getting better. It's not there yet, especially with the Battle Royale. But in another couple of years, hopefully we're seeing something that's much easier, much more painless than what we're seeing. So I played uh, a lot of League for a while. And then a few months ago, I just gave it up. I just stopped playing. And then I've basically replaced it with Overwatch. And one thing I find really interesting is, and a role that I always play in these competitive games is the support role. Yes, which is me too. Often, yeah, which is often the least popular role. But for me, I really enjoy it. Because I think it's very unique and very special. But I guess, first of all, like, why does the support role even exist in so many modern competitive games? And how are, you know, how, how is like League, Dota, Overwatch, how are they keeping that role fresh and interesting? Or are they actually failing on that? Are they not, you know, capitalizing on a role that can be very creative and just churning out healers and buffers to like, you know, just heal their team up. And I know League recently released an assassin hero for the support role, which basically is a massive flop. It's cool that they're experimenting, but it just didn't work. So yeah, support role. Love it, because like I said, that's always been my role when I've yeah. played. So <laughs> yeah. when I when I started playing competitive games, it was it was Halo One, Halo Combat Evolved. My job in Capture the Flag was to support everybody else. You know, I would I wasn't the flag runner, I wasn't the sniper, I didn't get the rocket launcher. I was my pistol, three headshots, get into that base, grab the flag, throw it up top to somebody else that would run it because I was in a support role. So my stats weren't the greatest, but I knew my role and my team was successful. It comes with a mentality, and that happens in all sports as well. Not everybody can be the star. Not everybody can be LeBron James of their esports team. It takes a total team effort to be successful. Look at the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green doesn't put up 30 points a night, but he gets a lot of rebounds and does the little things that help his team win. And so it takes people that understand that their role is not to be the number one killer, the number one whatever in their game, that they are supporting their team so their team overall can be more successful. And that's something great that Overwatch does. And I'm going to stick to Overwatch mostly because it's what I know the most about. But as you mentioned, games are releasing new characters in the support roles, which is great. I love that these top titles are keeping things fresh and releasing new characters to experiment with. Overwatch has Hammond coming out for people to play with. Not a support character, but I get it. But they release new characters so that people can stay fresh and nothing gets stale. They're also buffing, they're nerfing, 
they're creating things so it's still a level playing field so whatever your play style is there is a character for you to use and for you to be an integral part of your team and and i you know i'm i'm a lucio main uh he's always nice. been my guy um yeah. mercy i've tried with i'm just i'm not that type of support player i'm much more the lucio zenyatta than i am the mercy and look at what just happened in the Overwatch League. A support character just won the MVP. So we do see some big-time gamers, and he uses Zenyatta. He's very offensive Zenyatta. And so he's, and I can't think of the name off the top of my head. I forget his name. But he uses Zenyatta um, as almost like a D, another DPS. And so I think that that's going to help with people playing with, exploring the support characters a little bit. No, they're not going to deal as much damage. They're not going to be on the front lines. They're going to be in the background. But again, it's a mentality, and it's a team effort. And to the team, that matters. To the audience, they may not know the names as well, uh, but to the team owners, they certainly know how their team is winning, and the team owner is the one that cuts that check. So if the players want to get paid and they you know, want to get recognized, you, know, you do what it takes for your team to win, that's where the recognition is. That's where the money is. And if you're good enough, that's where some of these MVP awards can also be. So no, I think the support role will always be there. As far as healing, as far as buffing, they got to keep playing with it. Blizzard has to keep, Riot has to keep playing with these supports. Some of them might not work. You mentioned the, uh, the assassin that came out that maybe that didn't work. Okay, at least they're trying. You know? And so I, I support the move that they're experimenting. They're trying to keep the support role fresh because it is an integral role that people don't even realize. But without that support, your team will not win. And, and I think it's also interesting because the, the, the concept of you know, playing like a team, right? Like you look at the game like Overwatch, when I first got into it, I was like, all right, cool gonna kill all the people and that's how you win and that's how i become <laughs> that's how i'm recognized right? right um and then everyone was like no it's an objective based team game right so right. knowing breaking down each component breaking down each class and each person playing within that class is really important just like you know when we're kids and we're i feel like every kid plays soccer once in their life right they the parents throw them on a team see if it sticks and they're all just chasing the ball right um and so i think like it's a very really similar isn't that of, how you play soccer Everyone just chases the ball at once. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think it's a similar like socialization into sports where it's like, no, 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 you, you know, you're not going to be the one that gets headshots because you're playing as mercy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, I wanted to sort of dovetail off something you mentioned. So I was actually watching that little call it a trophy ceremony where they gave that guy the MVP, the Zen player, whose name I also forget. Although I remember the translator's name, but anyway, um, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. Uh, and it, so one of the things that I think is glaring about, especially Overwatch League, but I would wager a guess and say a lot of sort of professional esports players, they're not entirely, and I'm not saying this is a, a necessarily a bad thing, it's just an observation, they're not entirely, call it like camera ready, right? And so I think there's this like, there's this cultural thing that's occurring where we, we just get to see like video gamers they're they're not you know they can't do an interview like lebron james can they can't they don't have that camera presence when that guy won the mvp award the translator actually had to be like hold it up like lift it above your head like and it was so it was like kind of cringy but it was really funny to watch the, the translator was telling him to get excited and yeah. he like awkwardly lifted it above his head and so i think that's a really interesting i don't, I don't know if i want to call it like a an evolution of esports but i just think it's an interesting element because it almost makes them more relatable to everyday gamers. It almost makes it, again, saying like, "Hey, I'm not a I'm not big, so I'm never going to be a football player." But like that professional video gamer is kind of awkward, just like me and my friends. You know what I mean? Like that creates a more relatable arena for younger kids trying to get into it. And so with that, it's like, what are the on ramps? Because obviously, you need to be extremely talented. You need to be extremely dedicated. But what does the accessibility look like for young people who want to become, who are working to become esports players, who are working to get to that level? You know, it's tough. The accessibility that you talked about earlier, Manny, was, was spot on that anybody could pick up a game and start playing. And that's great. You know, you can be small, you can be big, you can be slow, you can be fast, you can be athletic and still be very good at video games. But, you know, I, to be a professional gamer, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of hard work, but also something you didn't mention, which is a lot of luck. You have to be at the right place at the right time. You have to have a good game at the right time for you to really get picked up, for you to get noticed by scouts, by GMs, by whoever. Because there have been some professional athletes in traditional sports that have been very, very talented that just ran into some bad luck, whether it be injuries or having the wrong game at the wrong time. And it kind of ruins their career. And it's very hard to be a professional 
in anything that's competitive like this. You know, professional sports, I always tell my students, even at the college level, like, you guys are not going to be pro athletes. I know we're a D3 school, you know, and so the, the, the stories of people coming out, there's one in 20 million, gets a chance to be a pro athlete from a Division three, Division one. if you're a starter on a Division one college football team, yeah, you got a shot. There's not a whole lot of those guys, though. You know, if you want to be a professional quarterback in the NFL, there's 32 of those jobs. And so there's there's not much of a chance for them to do that. In esports, the more games that we're seeing come out, the more chances there there are for gamers to be professionals. I was reading about the NBA 2K League this morning. You know, 17 teams. I think they have about six players per team. I think that equals 102 players. You're talking about 102 of the top players and how you get there. Yeah, through a lot of hard work, through a lot of dedication, a lot of practice, a lot of talent, a lot of luck. But then you've also got to interview well goes back to your point about the guy that got the MVP award. He's kind of awkward. It seems like an everyday person, your everyday nerd, and I don't use that in a derogatory sense whatsoever. So, you know, the accessibility is there. There is a chance for, for people to be pro gamers, you know, but you have to put in a lot of work. I wouldn't hinge all of your efforts. Don't put all your eggs in that basket because even if you do become a pro, think about these people that are playing these days. This guy that just won the MVP award is 18, just turned 18. He'll probably be out of Overwatch at the highest level by the time he's 23, 24. Um, because people playing at the highest level are in that 16 to 22 range. And they're retiring early. And yeah, they can be coaches. They can be casters. They can still work in esports. But they're not the ones that are in the spotlight anymore playing the games like they were. So you got to have a skill on the back end besides just playing the game. I tell that to any athlete that I've taught, whether it's at University of Georgia or Shenandoah University. I told all of them, hey, yes, you're great at football. What if you blow both your knees out tomorrow? What are you going to do? You never know what's going to happen the next day. You've got to have a backup skill. You've got to have a college degree. You've got to go to school. You've got to do the right things just in case that doesn't work out. So, yeah, it's accessible, but they've got to have a backup plan just in case it doesn't work. For sure. I met a kid who was, I think he was 23 or 24, um, and he was in like the top 6% for I forget what game. And I was like, how come you don't compete anymore? And he was like, I can't compete with 19-year-olds. Their reflexes are faster than mine. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's crazy to me. That this <laughs> oh, kid no. So I'll never young. be a professional esports player yeah, then. Dreams are over, Matt. <laughs> um, but you're absolutely right. You know, I, I, I applaud Ninja for, you know, when he sort of first got huge and started getting all these interviews at, at these news outlets, he was like, don't quit your job and try to do what I'm doing. He's like, I worked three jobs in college and I maintained a three O or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think there, I feel like the window of success is even smaller than in uh, professional, you know, traditional sports. Steve, what about you? Do you have any other questions? I kind of wanted to shift gears and talk more in terms of like how, they've handled some of their toxic situations with actual esports mm. players because we've we already compared esports nowadays to professional sports like i feel like this is kind of beating a dead horse but the nfl they've handled just about every single player scandal incorrectly i mean just look at the most recent one with Jameis winston it seems like they never get it right because you can even go to another one josh brown the kicker for the giants he had like a, a written history of things he did to his wife gets one game and then the giants after the fact released them so they they keep handling it poorly how do you feel the esports teams have handled their situations because there have been a few you know over the past six months alone how do you feel they've handled it compared to professional sports organizations now so to me i think that for the most part esports has actually done pretty well if you look at what overwatch did with xqc is that is that i forget his name now but you know what happened with him kicking him out you know he's no longer in the league it took a couple of times, and it kind of goes back to, again, what Manny was saying, that these guys aren't trained to be on camera. They don't know how to present themselves accurately and well. And for anybody who's played a, a first-person shooter online with other people, you know the kind of language that goes on online when you're just playing with random people, whether it's you know, people that are on your team or not. There is the language. It's like bathroom-stall language, it seems like to me. And so it is a little disconcerting, and parents don't like it. A lot of spectators don't like it. The toxicity is there in video games. It's there whenever you get any kind of competition at a high level. The NFL, yes, they have definitely had their issues with the punishments. There doesn't seem to be any kind of consistency whatsoever. 
you know, and it's it's hard to come up with a punishment that's consistent for every single thing because every situation is a little different. And yes, the NFL should have done better in a lot of these situations. But I think they got something like Ray Rice. I think they got it right. Even that one though was another one where it was like at first they didn't get it right, and then right the it took a while. So like. Because I do agree with you. I think esports has handled it correctly. I think when they've had these mm-hmm. things dropped on their doorsteps, they've taken the right approach. Whereas the professional sports organizations that have been around for decades at this point seem to kind of keep screwing it up. Right. And, you know, I think the harsher the punishment at first when a league is new, the better off your league is going to be in the long run. And so and so they've, they've got to come down hard and get rid of this as soon as possible for the longevity of the sport. Because, again, it's better in the long run. Let's go back to baseball. Pete Rose. Ugh. You know, you kick him out, you ban from baseball for life for betting on games, betting on his own team to win in a lot of situations. The all-time hit king can't be in the Hall of Fame. You know, his ban from baseball has tried to be reinstated a couple of times and no commissioner will do it. I think he should be personally. Uh, but we don't see betting on baseball anymore because of how harsh they were with Pete Rose. And so, you know, coming down hard is, you know, the right way to do it at the beginning because hopefully it gets rid of any of that toxicity in the long run. So every every sport, every game is going to have these issues. It's how you get rid of them. But for now, eSports, to me, is doing a pretty good job. I, I'm okay with what they're doing. I, I agree with what they've been doing in punishments. And hopefully it does help get rid of some of this toxicity. And what they need to do is they've got to train their players. They've got to get them classes about how to talk to the media to know that they're a media presence at all times. They are heroes. Even Charles Barkley said, you know, we're not heroes or role models. You are inherently if you are playing at this highest level and you have a big fan base. So they've got to get training about how to act professionally at the right times. Esport leagues are going to get it right. They're going to train their players to act right on camera. And they're going to get better with accepting awards and holding up trophies and things of that nature. And interview better as well because it is awkward. They are they, they are struggling a little bit, but they'll get better. I think they could even adopt what uh, one of the things the NFL does is called the rookie symposium. So every time they draft mm-hmm. all the rookies to the league, they put them through basically right. uh, a few day camp where they teach them how to interact with the media. Yeah. yeah. It's like yes. media training. Exactly. Yeah. We here at Ombre Gaming have gone through extensive oh, media training. <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots of trainings of media. Well, we have two HR people, so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do like one more question, and then we'll shift over to patch notes. Who wants to take the question? Uh, well, I have one that's sort of like adjacent to toxicity. A lot of companies have instituted these systems of like voting for good teamwork, voting for good opponents that like played well, things like that. What are they? What, what is it called in Overwatch again? Uh, it's like I don't know. Commend- yeah, commendations. We just talked about it last week too. It's either commendations, it's, uh, something like that, because League has its own system. All of them sort of do. Right. Um, it's like the link, the LinkedIn. Um, oh, what this is going to yeah. bother me now. Anyway, I keep. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, it's not credits. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Yeah, commendation. I think Overwatch calls it commendations. Do you think those systems are effective in reducing toxicity? Or are they ineffective or are they somewhere in the middle? Because you get your own like personal score that goes right. up or down in league. That affects like rewards that you actually get. Um, you'll open like chests and things more often if you have a higher score because you'll get rewards based off that. Overwatch, I think get, you get a loot box sometimes uh, based off of it. I don't maybe think off a certain okay. score, yeah. Yeah, you might. But, uh, you know, I hate going in the middle and saying yes and no. But it depends on... Jeez, it's just it's hard to monitor these different devices, and um, and I know in Overwatch you can't give negative feedback; you only give positive feedback. But you know, it's a good thing. It's great. It's a good attempt at trying to get rid of toxicity. I like that they're trying this new system. It's just it's I don't know. It's strange to me because who's going to give those ratings? And if you're friends with the person, of course you just keep giving each other ratings so you can open more loot boxes. Even if you haven't been acting like a great teammate or did a great job or were very well, polite. Overwatch, you, you, if you're friends with someone, you can't give them a comment. There we go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Perfect. So on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, they're called endorsements. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> endorsements. That is. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure Overwatch uses it. It is. Same. Overwatch, it's endorsements. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It actually links to your LinkedIn. So if you get an endorsement <laughs> in Overwatch, it goes, it goes it on carries your over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we're far off uh, from that being real. Yes, I've noticed uh, you've been endorsed 30 times for uh, high DPS. That's fantastic. (laughs) You're hired. (laughs) Come work at our company. Perfect. No, no, I like like the attempt. I hope it works. I hope it gets rid of the toxicity. I don't know if it's going to in the end, but um, I I like the attempt. And, you know, I'm not as familiar with the League of Legends style, but you said they, you know, you get 
rewards for for playing well and and having I guess quote unquote good manners for lack of a better term. I like that. I'm, I'm all about it. You know, especially when the rewards like loot boxes, they're not going to impact your gameplay. They're going to impact the way you look and you can customize yourself and you can have more skins and whatever. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't impact gameplay on the screen, then I yeah, go for it. I think it's great. I, I like the attempt and I hope that it does work because there really is no place for it on the professional scene um, or even at the non-professional scene. You know, we don't need to be talking like that to other people. It's with kids playing these days and, you know, hearing some of the words coming out of their mouths. There's just no space for it. So hopefully yeah. this system does work. And, and I applaud Blizzard for doing it. And I hope other games do it as well. You mentioned League of Legends. So I'm glad to hear that other games are doing it. Definitely. Uh, before we shift over to patch notes, what do you think is a trend that we're going to see either start to develop or has just recently started and will continue to develop in the esports scene in the next, let's say, you know, five years? I think that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two of them just because I'm starting to get involved in both of these. And I hope they're trends because I want to be on the front of them. One of them being scholarships to play at the college level. And right now, there are a couple collegiate governing bodies. The NCAA is not one. The NCAA is looking into adopting esports as a championship sport, which I think eventually they will because of how popular Mm -hmm. it is and how many universities and schools are part of these organizations, especially NACE, National Association Collegiate Esports. It's really gaining a lot of steam. They're having their first ever convention uh, this week in Atlanta, July 18th through the 20th. So it should be really good. Um, looking at how to offer scholarships, how to raise money, how to recruit players. And I think that's a big thing. I think that we're going to see more and more college gamers being recruited to play esports at their college at a very high level. Whether or not it's a pipeline for the professionals, I, I I don't know. I don't really foresee that because, like we mentioned, you're playing in college when you're age 18 to 22, and that's when professional right. gamers are pretty much at their peak. Yeah. But it is, it is an avenue for more people to play and be engaged in esports. And to kind of piggyback with that at the college level, more and more universities are actually teaching courses and offering certificates and degrees in esport management to how to run events, to how to attract sponsors, to how to build venues for esports. There's a whole there's a whole another section of event management going in, and esports is popping up in more and more schools, and they're teaching their students about how to manage esports because it is such a viable industry. It's you know it's a huge industry over a billion dollars already. You know, so it's it's going to be part of the future in some capacity. And, you know, the media side of it, the event management side, the sponsorship, the promotions, the player management side of things, the contract negotiations, law side, there is there's a lot of size to it. And more and more schools are saying, oh, that's something new that we can offer to attract more people to come to our university. Let's offer esport management as a degree, a certificate, a course, whatever you want to call it at that point. And it's only continuing to grow. We're seeing more and more schools pop up almost weekly that are offering these classes. So so that's kind of exciting. So I think we're going to see more and more esports be a presence at the college level in a lot of different capacities in the future. Definitely. And I remember being at your panel at MAGFest and there were dads with their sons. There were sure. moms with both of their kids asking questions, saying like, what can I do to help get my son involved in, t- in this? I remember I, it just stuck out of my head. There was this one dad and, and son pair who were viciously taking notes with every word you guys said and they were like kind of like whispering to each other and i was like what a different world my parents were doing the opposite of this when i was when i was a kid um well this was awesome this has been super insightful thanks for for sharing all of your knowledge um and congrats also by the way for helping establish that team that's super exciting thanks Um, yeah it's it should be good i'm looking forward to it what's the team called out of shenandoah so it's right now we're just called Shenandoah Esports. We don't have any kind of okay. fun, cool name. Uh, right now we're working on designing jerseys and and building our esports nice. arena. We're partnering with our VR lab, so we have a big VR presence at Shenandoah. So we're partnering with them, and so we're actually looking to get into the VR side of things with esports, putting those two things together. So I think that's another trend for the future too, is the VR side of things. It's it's getting a little more popular, but um, I think in in the next 10 years, we're really going to see a lot of advancements in VR, and, and that'll be part of the future. Definitely. If you ever need a professional Beat Saber captain, <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> well, awesome. Let's move on. We will keep news nice and tight because there are some sports things happening. Ooh. Let's move on to the segment where we cover the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Patch Notes. <laughs> For patch notes 7.15.18, Steve, why don't you go first? All right, so I have from Eurogamer.net. This is by Emma Kent, and we are talking about Norse mythology. We're going back to God of War, folks. It's great. 
So it's called Cracking the Norse Code, how fans are deciphering God of War's runes. That is a hmm. good title. Yeah, awesome. I, I'm a fan of Yuri Gamer. very clever they're, title. Uh, they're a good website. Um, so we'll just start reading some of the article here. So on the surface, God of War's runes may seem merely decorative, but a closer inspection reveals the game features a working runic system all of its own. Written in Elder Futhrark, the oldest form of oh, yes. the runic alphabets, they are, they are scattered across the game and appear everywhere from Kratos' axe to Atreus' neck. Naturally, the runes have intrigued God of War fans who over the past few months have taken on the Herculean task of translating every last inscription. Using a combination of Old Norse and contemporary Icelandic, Redditors have found God of War's ancient runes conceal several hints about characters' background stories. Some even foreshadow the game's ending, meaning major plot points have been hidden in plain sight all along. And so they actually translated the God of War, the steel bookcase. There was Wait, hang on. Time out for a second. Joey, I know last time we spoke you had just gotten God of War. Have you right. finished God of War? I have finished God of War, okay, so cool. no spoilers for me. I'm good. So, spoiler warning for everybody listening, we might yeah. talk a little bit about Yeah, there's the end game there's of definitely God of War. light spoilers. So, on the back of the God of War steel bookcase, it translates to this is the story of a bear and a wolf who wandered the realms nine to fulfill a promise of one before. They walk the twilight path destined to discover the truth that is to come. So that's on the back of the book that's in really Runic. Cool. And mm. then, so they started going further into it. They started deciphering Baldur's tattoos. According, <laughs> this is this is my favorite Reddit name I've ever read. According to Redditor, Herpaderp Merkamerk. <laughs> <laughs> the large red runes on Baldur's back spell cursed. His arms feature a repeated phrase that roughly translates as never to forgive, while the circular tattoo on his chest has been interpreted as lights confide me with warmth so that I might feel something. Wow. So he's got all of that. And then Atreus has a bunch of his tattoos basically mean fishnet mind or calm mind because fishing is associated with Loki in Norse mythology. And then some of them translated some of the words on that last panel we see at the end there. Mm -hmm. And some Mm -hmm. of the words include betrayal, death, father, and catastrophe, which doesn't look good for Kratos in the future. Yeah. And they're still translating a bunch of these things because Corey Barlock has still said that there's something that people haven't figured out yet. But when this got tweeted out, Corey Barlog tweeted the article and then the little thinking face emoji. So I think whatever these people are on people are to is, is the big secret. Hopefully it's not a Kratostrophe. Ooh. Uh, Matt, you're fired. I just love how <laughs> deep... The little Norse mythology went in that game. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the cool. attention to detail was fantastic. So once again, great job, Corey and crew at Sony Santa Monica. Yeah, game of the year so far for me, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, do you want to go next or you want to go last? Quick. Uh, next. Okay, go. <laughs> so, <laughs> just a little MMO update we haven't talked about in a while. Um, World of Warcraft, which is basically a hundred years old at this point. Nineteen eighteen was when that game yeah. first came out. Yeah. <laughs> It's pre-patch for its next expansion. Battle for Azeroth is uh, coming out. And so it's actually changing a few things. One of the big things in Legion was these artifact weapons, which you would level up over the course of that expansion. And what they're doing is like basically getting rid of all of those special abilities that you spent time uh, leveling up on your weapon. And they're turning those artifact weapons. So every class had an artifact weapon, turning those into like standard items, standard weapons that you have. And some of those abilities have gone into your class abilities, but it's, uh, I think it's sort of lame. And I think a lot of the community agrees that like, well, we spent all this time sort of working on this part of our character and now it's sort of just being taken away which like world warcraft sort of put themselves in a corner with that because you can't have people running around with these like super powered items when maybe i'm just going to jump in and i want to play the battle for azeroth expansion and i didn't do any of the artifact weapon and they're like super powerful yeah so but it's also like kind of sad that like well we spent all this time with these cool weapons and now it's sort of going away But the expansion comes out August 14th. It'll be interesting to see how it does. The reviews that come out for it, World of Warcraft has basically been an unbeatable MMO for, you know, 
basically a generation and like a person you know it's been out for so long so it'll be interesting to see how it changes maybe the mmo landscape i'd love to see an mmo come out that is new and refreshing uh and different and see it actually take over i think there's a lot of room for growth in the mmo sphere but people just aren't really putting in the time or energy for it yep cool well to round it off it's a fun little update metal gear is 31 years old 32 if you consider the fact that it came out in uh, 1987 in japan so yeah i have a couple fun facts about metal gear and some sales figures as well top five fast facts with manny about metal <laughs> gear. that's what i'm that's what i'm naming this patch notes update uh solid snake's real name it's david oh and not after wow. david Hayter, the voice actor because the name was actually already decided on before they hired him as the actor for solid snake uh so fun fact his name's David. Okay, let's see. Metal Gear Solid 4 holds the world record for longest sequence of cutscenes in a video game, 71 minutes <laughs> towards the end. Wow. And the world record for a longest single cutscene at 27 minutes, which is actually in that sequence of cutscenes. And they're all unskippable. So most of the voice acting credits in the first three games are fake. <laughs> Uh, since they use professional voice actors, except for David Hayter and a few others, uh, they didn't have the support of the Screen Actors Guild, so they couldn't use their real names in the credits. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Interesting fact. Uh, now, moving on to a little bit of the sales figures. 51.3 million copies <laughs> sold in the franchise since 1987. And check this out. 49.6 of these, so the vast majority, were sold in March tw- of 2016. Wow. Man. Yeah. Was there a Steam sale that day? Well, what I figured was that Phantom Pain came out in September of 2015. People played it and got a bug for Metal Gear and went back and bought a bunch of That makes of sense. So yeah, pretty popular, especially in March 2016. Moving on to some sales figures of Metal Gear Survive, everyone's favorite Metal Gear title. In the UK, Metal Gear Survive sold 5% of the Phantom Pain sales at debut, but hit number one in Japan for Sony sales charts within a week. Huh. Uh, So, I don't know. I think that just speaks to the, you know, cultural affinity for for Konami. So good for them. Uh, And then the fiscal year that ended in March 2018 didn't even mention the sales figures for Metal Gear Survive. So they listed all of their games that they launched and they covered all of their fiscal year. And then all they said about Metal Gear Survive was, as for computer and video games, a spinoff title in the Metal Gear series called Metal Gear Survive was released. Oh, and that's all they said about <laughs> oh, it. Oh so, boy. Yeah, pretty horrible showing for Metal Gear Survive. Uh Joey, have you played any of the Metal Gear games? Are you a fan no, of No, not a fan of the Metal I mean, I just don't have experience playing them as much, so yeah. don't have anything to say yeah. about Metal Gear, but I, I yeah, like me your facts. neither. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Steve and I are huge fans of okay. Metal Gear. We go way back with Kojima. And we like to remind everybody that it's the greatest franchise ever made. So that was patch notes seven point fifteen point one eight where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke before we move on to the very end of the show joey why don't you share one of your favorite things that came out of e3 oh gosh one because because you were there right. in in the flesh right I, ew, one thing is tough you know i'm gonna give so some of the games are great cyberpunk 2077 looked awesome anthem looks awesome um, division two was a lot of fun to play but i'm gonna give a shout out to the fans I think that the gaming community, the fans of the gaming community, because now that spectators and community can buy tickets to go to E3, it was unbelievable watching people wait in line for six hours at a time to play one demo for 20 minutes. And people were sitting down, laying down, playing on their phones, trying to do what they could to pass the time to play one game that they were really looking forward to, that really really loved the franchise and wanted to play. The dedication from the gaming community just resonated with me so much. I couldn't believe it. It was Absolutely unbelievable. It was fantastic to watch him to talk to the fans, you know, the people in the industry, other media. That was great. Um, although Super Smash Ultimate was a lot of fun, too. That one I'm really looking forward to. <sighs> Jealous. Yeah, that game was <laughs> awesome to play. But the kind of an overall thing that I found was the dedication from fans. When they're connected to a franchise and something resonates with them, they they will yep. do what it takes to be part of that community, to be kind of on the front and play those games. So a shout out to the fans of the gaming community and those that went to E3. The dedication was awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was keeping up with you on Twitter and it seemed like you guys had a blast. Oh, so, so much fun. Uh, are, you going, are you going to PAX West by any chance? I don't think I'm going to make it there this year. All right. Well, I'll see you next year at, at MAGFest. Absolutely. But 
hopefully sometime before then as well. Joey, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us. No, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun and hopefully some of my stuff made sense. I just ramble at times, but hopefully some of it made sense. And yeah, we definitely hope to do something like this again in the future. Sure. And once you once you guys get off the ground in, uh, in Shenandoah, I'll definitely make a trip and uh, I don't know, see one of your first matches. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to come right. out and check us out. Definitely. Well, thank you again, Joey. Uh, this was great. I hope everyone who's listening enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Again, we appreciate everybody who tuned in. And like I said at the beginning of the show, if you want to go support us on patreon.com slash Ombra Gaming, it would mean the world to us. And if you like what you hear, head over to whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everything in between. Let us know how we're doing. We would love it if you could support us. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you and we will talk to you very soon. Herpaderp Merkamerk. <laughs>